Welcome back to a kitchen table moment. I'm Aaliyah. I'm Emma. Usually we have some sort of loose outline, sometimes a detailed outline. Anyway, some sort of written outline that we look at to go off of for our episodes. And this episode, we just both felt very compelled to just talk about the state of the world with everything going on, especially in the United States. Just kind of share our feelings more off the cuff, off script. It's definitely been a rough past few days, I have to say. Um, Starting just only Friday now, was it, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. My mom texted me. She goes, RBG, no. And I was like, wait, what happened? Did she die? Because I'm like, that's the only really why you would text someone that. She goes, yeah, she passed away. And I was like, you're kidding me. Like, you're lying. So I immediately go on Twitter and it's, you know, already trending. So I march right into Aaliyah's room. I didn't even knock. I was like, this is so horrible. And I was like, Aaliyah, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away. And we both, I mean, we just sat in shock for, I gotta say, five, ten minutes. Like, I just sat on your bedroom floor and, like, tried to process it. I heard Emma, I was reading, doing homework in my room, and I heard, like, a gasp of, like, pain come from our living room. I was like, oh no, what happened? And the next thing I know, Emma's barging in and telling me that, and I could not, like, my brain could not even process it. I'm like, what does this mean for America? We knew her health was very touch and go, but I think, I don't think anyone really thought she would actually pass away. She has been such a trooper in light of cancer and everything. So the fact that happened now, so soon to the election, I mean, we're what, less than 50 days away now? Honestly, it still doesn't feel necessarily real. Almost in a way, actually, it does, because less than two hours after she passed away, Trump said they would try to fill the seat. So such a kind response to the loss of such a judicial great. Yeah, and of course, one of her dying wishes was to not be replaced until a new president was installed. Trump and all of the republic not all of the Republicans, but many of the Republicans in power are hypocrites. And even though they really frowned on Obama for doing that when a justice died at the beginning of 2016, they're like, oh, it's fine when someone died within 50 days of the election. I think the most damning one was Lindsey Graham. Did you see the video of him from 2016 where mm-hmm. he's like, you can use this again me. Well, we will, but it's not going to matter. It's crazy how even with their physical words, like we have recordings of them saying these things, we can't do anything about it. I will say I'm really disappointed to see that Mitt Romney is going ahead with the confirmation vote. Oh, is he? He confirmed today that he would go out on the Senate floor and vote for it to go ahead. Susan Collins from Maine, I think it was Susan who said that she wouldn't. Mitt Romney, who I think Democrats like to hold him on a higher pedestal because he's genuinely like a respectable person. He's marched during Black Lives Matter. But this really proves how much of a grip the Republican Party has on its own members because I really expected him to be one of the few to step forward and say, hey, we shouldn't do this, especially since he was the only Republican to vote on one of the impeachment articles. But this really proves you know, Trump has such a grip on these people. This sounds kind of sad, but I always had like a little bit of hope that Mitt Romney was still one of the like good Republicans. Like he was a genuine like Republican, not what the Republican Party has become under Trump. But it seems that that is not the case. 
a spineless moment, I would just say for him, because yeah, I think he's proven to be a beacon of hope for a lot of people, and that's quickly gone away in just what he said today, because it's like, the thing I think what really bothers me is he did the Black Lives Matter marches, and now there is no way Trump's not going to try to push through another uber conservative, like a Kavanaugh 2.0, and that obviously would be someone who is more likely to be like the All Lives Matter type, like, this immediately recants all the good things that Mitt Romney has said he's behind. Basically that, on top of a lot of other things that have been happening in the world, specifically in the United States with all the wildfires and the pandemic still raging because Trump really hasn't done anything to get it in check. The US just hit 200,000 deaths from the coronavirus and almost all of those were preventable deaths, of course. A couple days ago, it came out that Trump is labeling Seattle, Portland, and New York City as anarchist cities because of all of the protests and resistance to federal intervention and in the protests and Black Lives Matter, all that kind of stuff. So he's labeling them as anarchy cities and potentially pulling funding. Yeah, that's the damning part because when I first saw the headline, I was like, what does that necessarily mean? Is it just a label? Especially because I think they're all democratically run cities too. If anything, they tend to lean liberal. So it's just Trump putting on his usual, I hate blue states, I hate blue cities. But yeah, this gives the federal government an excuse to pull funding. And just think about how many people live among these three cities combined. That affects millions of American citizens. I like to say, you know, Trump's not my president, blah, blah, blah. But it really rubs me the wrong way how he views anyone who lives in a blue area as just not his citizen. Like, I don't have to deal with this person because they live in a blue state and we both come from blue states. We moved to a blue state. I will say, I thought it was, as far as I know, he didn't make any comment about the wildfires in Oregon and like the fact that they just devastated entire towns. Like thousands of people like almost like like half a million people had to flee their homes and sure he came to california and then said oh science doesn't know anything about global warming so we don't have any sort of reassurance we don't have anyone to really look to for like some semblance of hope and solace it really comes to i guess maybe liberals and democrats look to dr fauci but that's not the same he's not the president and then even like the comfort that Trump sports take place in Trump is that it's like a hoax, that the virus isn't even real. And that's not the same kind of like, oh, we'll get through this, like it sucks the way Jacinda Ardern in New Zealand was able to really be a calming presence for her country. He constantly blames other people. It's like he doesn't understand that he is the president of the United States. He'll be like, well, Biden didn't have a mask mandate. Well, Biden is a citizen. He has no power whatsoever. Like, he keeps saying all these things that Biden hasn't done or the Democrats or whatever haven't done, but they're not in power. He is the president of the United States. It doesn't make any sense to me. Even, like, the head of the RNC said, how come Biden didn't come out, like, Biden come out with a stronger stance against Corona back in January, February? He had the same access to information. It's like, no, he didn't. Biden I, does not work for our government. I would be scared if Biden had the same access to information. He's a citizen. Why would he have the same access to information? That makes no sense. Also, kind of going along with the pandemic, it's interesting because I'm hearing that there's now a second wave hitting Europe, and so everything's starting to shut back down. And over here in the United States, we're, st we're still going through our first wave. I feel like it's just 
compiled, compacted into one endless wave for us. I mean, the numbers have been decreasing in Orange County. California's on this weird tier system that the governor set up, and so we are in the second most restrictive tier right now. But if we go down to a less restrictive tier, that means that malls can open to full capacity, a lot more things can open up, and kids can start going back to school, which started actually today. Cases are going down. Why is your solution to open everything back up? Like, it doesn't really make sense to me. Especially considering when we originally got sent home, cases were nowhere near the levels. Okay, obviously there was a fear factor behind it. We didn't know what was going on. If you look at the arc that Amer's gone to, it's like there was the first bump and then we started to go down and then we hit a second massive one. And this second curve is kind of going down. It's just so, it feels so long since the motto of flattening the curve. That's not even in our lexicon anymore. No. But why not? Why aren't we striving for that anymore? I feel like we as a country have just decided to like live with the pandemic instead of actively fight to find a vaccine. I'm almost weirdly nostalgic for the initial fear that we had where everyone just locked themselves in their house. You could barely even see cars on the road. Like, I almost miss that. I miss when people were just, it wasn't even like taking it seriously. It was like, we're just so scared. I'm like, we need to bring back the fear. I wish that everyone was scared. The fact that people are still throwing frat parties, they're still gathering in huge groups, like graduations, baby showers, bridal showers, weddings. Like, why is that? Like, why are people doing that? Like, put it on hold. I don't get it. Literally, especially, oh my God. It's so frustrating. I mean, and there's only so much you can do to an extent because it's even your friends that you see and you can remind them. People are so much in their own world and I think it's really hard for people to not think of themselves as being impervious to it because they're like, okay, it's affected that person, but it won't impact me, especially people our age in college because the media really, it was such a mistake to put out this idea that college kids, okay, you'll get it, but you won't die. Well, A, you could die because there's people whose kidneys and hearts and brains have shut down because of this who are our age. And also, you're going to spread it to elderly people, your relatives, people who are immune compromised. Like, you're, it's just so selfish. Exactly. Like, even if you could even be like a carrier, you could be asymptomatic and not know it and hang out with people. Or you could be hanging out with someone who is asymptomatic and then you get it from them and then you go to the grocery store and even though you never have any symptoms, you pass it to an old lady that you walk by for two seconds. Like, I mean, this is an over-exaggeration, of course. That is so possible and I feel like so many people forget that. I also feel like there's a lot of sense of false security once people get tested because they'll say, oh, like I got tested and I was negative. I'm like, okay, well, did you go to the grocery store? Did you go mail a letter at the post office? Because your test does not matter anymore. If you have come in contact with any other person besides the people that you live with after receiving that test, then you may have it. Like you're not negative anymore, you don't know. Exactly, and another thing I think we're really gonna have to think about is the concept of going back to normal. Well, our normal is what got us into this. People have a really false sense of security about America's democracy. A, we're not a democracy, we're a republic. We're represented by our House of Rep and our Senate. Like we're not 
really a democracy. We factor our votes into someone else who can represent us. So that's a republic. Think about this, a vote in the electoral college, a vote in Montana means worth like seven times a vote in California. That's how it works. It's not a democracy. Literally just us talking about RBG passing away, the amount of fear that has come out of one person passing away, like that's not right. We really no. have to reconsider the concept of life terms. We need to rethink about how long someone should serve. And it's not just as a judge because this is both on the supreme court the federal courts like this is in a ton of courts it's also like senators and house of representatives think about who's like the top three four people in power in america they're all like 70 and older exactly and it's like they're making decisions for the future and they don't really care about the future like i've gotten into arguments with my conservative family members because they support Trump and they support, I don't really understand like what exact stances they support, like, oh, religion and like taxes and that kind of thing. Sure, you may support his fiscal policies, you may support his stance on immigration or his stance on religion or whatever. I don't, I don't know, just throwing things out there. But how can you as say a 75 year old person with grandchildren how can you support someone who doesn't believe in climate change doesn't believe in science doesn't believe in saving the earth because sure you'll be gone but your grandchildren your children their grandchildren like there's not going to be an earth left for them i don't get it like i remember how you see such a trend to hate on millennials because like they're lazy they don't spend money they buy avocados instead of engagement rings like dumb stuff that's definitely clickbaity but it's like well look at us as gen z i mean look at this world you set us up into i mean me and you were born into a climate crisis and it's not new it came out what last year that exxon has known about climate change since the 1970s and had their scientists just shove it away so this isn't new 9-11 occurred and dramatically reshaped our foreign policy i mean the way we're still stuck in the middle east is insane we have lived through two massive economic collapses in 08 and now if you thought millennials were sad depressed lazy people like what have you set up for gen z that makes us anywhere near positive about our outcome I mean, they tell us that by 2040 that both Arctics won't be the same. Capitalism is crushing us. Don't know what, I don't know exactly what we need to do about that, but it doesn't make sense that what, five people own the amount of the same amount as the bottom 50%. We don't have universal health care as a first world country. We don't have universal child care. We don't have universal maternity leave. When I went to Scotland, they were shocked. Like they fully cannot understand why America lags so far behind and what's supposed to be the greatest country in the world. Oh yeah, like the phrase like keep America great or like make America great again. America has never been great. Sure, there's the like false sense of opportunity in the American dream, but there's so many systems set up against the average person, the average white woman say. Systematically, there's so many things set up against her and then if you take a latina woman you take a black woman asian american any sort of minority or person of color there's there's no way that they can succeed in the way that jeff bezos owns more money than he can ever he could solve climate change he could solve 
homelessness, poverty. No Hispanic woman would ever get that opportunity. Oh, not at all. And this whole sense of American exceptionalism is going to kill us. It's why Americans think they're impervious to a whole entire pandemic. It's why America thinks it has the right to literally stomp its way to any country. Well, at home, we have like police brutality breaking on the streets, people not being able to afford hospital bills. You're telling single mothers to go work three jobs and take care of their kids. And um, that stuff will always be the most mind blowing. When you see like 17 year old Republican tell this woman struggling to make ends meet, being like, you just need to work harder. How could you look at someone and say that? Recently for me, it's just been so hard to like be positive about the world. Like at the beginning of the pandemic, I felt like it was like, okay, like it will eventually overcome this. Yes, Donald Trump is an idiot. Yes, obviously racism, sexism, all this stuff exists. But I was like, okay, like give us a couple months and like the pandemic will be over. Maybe we'll have learned something from this and we'll be better. The election's coming. Like, you know, I feel like I still had hope. And now it's just like, there's something new every single day. It's just so hard to be positive. I'm like growing up in into a country that I am not proud of in the slightest. No, and it's made me reconsider so many things in life. Like I was like, I'm gonna have two kids. Now I'm like, maybe I'll have one. But then it's like, would it be cruel of me to bring a child into this world? Like I feel worse off now. How is it gonna be in 10, 20 years. There's no end to this. There's no end in sight. There's no end in sight to the pandemic in the United States. Racism, sexism, and it's hard to stay hopeful. People just get tired because they don't see change right away, but that's not really how progress works in our country, unfortunately. I think that's gonna be the downfall of Gen Z, particularly people who are into politics, because it's that people are so impatient especially when it comes to so many people who wanted bernie and now we have biden i'm like i don't think you guys understand like biden was not my first choice either but like people clearly do not take a moment to just read someone's stances you can tell he's someone who worked in dc politics which is something you can't say for trump but beyond that i mean i remember being 15 16 and i wanted bernie to beat hillary and then he didn't, but did that mean I gave up? No. Like, there's such a weird defeatist attitude of, oh, so this we didn't get this one person. Okay, I wanted Bernie, but have you looked at all the other politicians we have? I mean, AOC's the first who comes to mind. She's a big deal. She's literally a freshman House of Representative. This is, what, her second year in Congress, and look at what she's done. Now let's think of how many more people. There's 435 members in the House of Rep. Like, we can get more AOCs. Like, people literally only think in terms of national elections like you need to vote for your state and your local elections like it really starts from the ground up and i don't think people realize you're not just voting for yourself like i'm a white straight woman like besides the woman thing i'm very privileged but there's so many other people who aren't and a vote for biden means so much more than a vote for trump especially now with the loss of rbg this is uh kind of a vote to save america from fascism America it is in fascism. It is in fascism. We are living in a fascist country and if you don't believe that, you have not been paying attention and that's why it's 
been happening. God, the way our schools really instilled that sense of security of checks and balances and Trump was able to dismantle it in three and a half years. I do have to say that it is impressive what he's been able, to, if I will give him any credit, it's the fact that he's been able to completely take over a country filled with millions and millions of people and instill that much control in his hands. I mean, I didn't think it was possible, not to that extent. Oh, it's impressive because we all thought he's just really dumb, which he is, but he's somehow so smartly manipulative. There's always been some external influence on the Republican Party, and of course the Democrat Party has their own. It's called lobbying, and it really sucks. But anyways, literally just one person of Trump to be like, oh, if you don't support me, you're gonna get shunned from the party. That's also the thing. I think people don't realize voting Trump out won't end it. Oh no. The Republican Party is not gonna change overnight. Mitch McConnell is most likely to win his Senate position in Kentucky. And if the Dems don't get the vote to flip the Senate, it will still be under his control. Think about how many bills he has left unsigned. COVID relief bills, gun control bills. They all just sit on his desk and he doesn't look at them at all because he knows he doesn't have to. Even if Biden does win, like it's not gonna be as, I mean, it's gonna be amazing, of course. And we will sob. Trump has taken the country and the Republican party to a place that will take years to come back from. Oh, totally. And what's so frustrating is that the Republicans are able to go further right, but the second Democrats try to go left, they're labeled communists or socialists. But it's just annoying that to meet the middle, Democrats have to be per pulled further right instead of like trying to go left. I just don't understand what's so bad about being like being a socialist why has the united states painted being a socialist as such a terrible thing and i guess it has roots in like the cold war and communism and i'm just frustrated who decided the two-party system is the way it should work especially considering how many millions of people live in america where like smaller european countries have like seven parties so people can actually go with the party that goes yeah. with their ideals instead of they really thought two parties would result in compromise. No. To those who can put themselves through it, next Tuesday is the first presidential debate between Biden and Trump. It'll be held on multiple stations, but I think particularly Fox News because the moderator is Chris Wallace. I would recommend you tune in. It might be painful, however, it'll be interesting to see how the different networks paint it, like what Fox News says versus CNN versus MSNBC, what Chris Wallace will be like, because he's on very thin ice with Fox News, because he's one of the few to actually like call Trump out. I feel like at this point, if you have not decided to vote for Biden, I feel like there's nothing that can really sway people. Yeah, there's nothing really to be studying more. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's definitely worth watching. I think that although a lot of people do like to say settle for Biden and obviously there's a lot of like sexual assault allegations and stuff like that. So obviously not okay. But I do think that Biden does have a lot of like thought out and good plans and policies that he wants to bring to place. And I think a lot of people kind of forget that because they really wanted Bernie or they really wanted Pete Buttigieg, like. Another way to look at it is also Harris compared to Pence. That'll be a very interesting debate. I don't know when it will be, probably within the next month or so. But to see Kamala Harris versus Mike Pence will be a very striking dichotomy 
for them as well. I mean, I think what this election is also really brought to light is you're not only voting for the president, you're voting for the vice president. I think the Democrat Party is trying to push for that. So I would look into Kamala as well, especially because she's a woman, she's a person of color, she provides a different perspective than what Biden would bring, and then especially compared to Trump and Pence. Yes. So... Yeah, thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed this more introspective, ranty sort of episode. Remember to get registered to vote, send in your application for an absentee ballot if that's the way you want to go about it. Yes, and also if you can vote early, look into doing that. We don't allow that in Oregon, but if I could vote early, I would. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. You guys can follow us at AKTM Podcast on Instagram. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you wear a mask. Yes, please wear your mask. Okay, yeah, thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Bye.